You're listening to Treasuring Scripture, a podcast of the weekly teaching ministry of Lebanon Baptist Church, Roswell, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry, please visit us at LebanonBaptist.org. Turning your Bibles, if you can, to the text that Mark just mentioned, to uh, 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to read a few verses there, and we will uh, jump into it. Uh, Of course, familiar text to numbers of you uh, here in 1 Corinthians, but let me read it to you. I'm going to read the first three verses of chapter 13. It says this, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy kong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And if I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. This morning, as Mark said, we are going to begin a series for our Life Stage class called Love Your Church. And of course, the, high, uh, the goal of this is to highlight over the next number of weeks various aspects of our church ministry. Uh, we'll look at children's ministry. We're going to look at the music ministry. We're going to look at leadership training. We're going to look at our growth groups and small groups and As we look at all these different ministries of our church, what we want to do is this. We want to, first of all, give you the philosophy behind why we do those things. So first thing we're going to look at is know why Lebanon has a giving ministry, why Lebanon has a music ministry. Uh, So we're going to look at why. Then we're going to explain to you what practically we're doing, because a lot of you you may not know of all the different things that are occurring in reference to those particular areas. And if you knew, some of you would say, man, I'm so glad we're doing that, or maybe I can get involved in that. I'm burdened about that. At that point, we're also going to do something where we're going to be able to interact with you. Uh, we'll, ask, we'll ask you if you have any questions about it. And in this room, hopefully, even though it's kind of a big spread out room, lots of people in here, it may be that you'd say, hey, I got a question about this area of the music ministry. And maybe it's a question that a lot of people have been wondering about. You can ask it and we will try to answer it in this particular setting. And then we will solicit help. We'll introduce you to maybe some of the ministry leaders who are helping in those areas and say, okay, Is this something that you want to get involved in? It could be like today, you walked in and you were greeted by our hospitality team. Uh, Why do we do that? Why is that important? What's going on? Who's the leader of it? You'd say, man, I can smile. I can shake people's hand. I can deal with cold for a little bit uh, uh, by that door. And so uh, that's what we're going to do over the course of the next number of weeks. Now, Just to share a tendency, a fault in reference to your pastors, is you know what we're often prone to do? We're prone to just kind of do the work ourselves. Um, It's easier to just get it done. We'll just do it. And 
a tendency oftentimes is to, hey, allow the professionals to do the ministry. And let me just say that so often we are not professionals in different areas. But it's so easy for us to just kind of do the work ourselves. But all of us know that we need every saint as a servant. And all of us need to be engaged in the work of Jesus Christ here at Lebanon Baptist Church. Now, to begin with, to kind of open up the series, I thought it would be good for us to look at a text that we looked at a number of years ago. What it does is it discusses the most important ingredient when it comes to ministering in a church. Okay, if you're saved, if you know Jesus, you've asked him to be your savior, you're to be engaged in the church. You're to be engaged in the one another's. However, as you practice the one another's, there is one particular gift, you could say, or trait that is absolutely vital when ministering with one another. Of course, we are here today in the book of 1 Corinthians, and this was a letter written to this young church that had difficulties just like Lebanon Baptist Church. The longer you come to church here, the more you're going to see how sinful we are. We're broken people. We've been saved by God's grace. And we are too. Uh, we're supposed to work together for the cause of Christ, but in a broken world. We have difficulties. There's an immaturity. There's selfish ministering to one another. And if you read the book of 1 Corinthians, you realize they had a lot of problems. They had a lot of questions as well. Beginning in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul begins to show the Corinthians how he has given every one of them individual spiritual gifts. Now, some of you may be here today and you say, Pastor Brian, I had no gifts under the tree, okay? I can't really do a whole lot. Uh, I, can, I can occupy a seat in the auditorium, but I don't have a whole lot of gifts, I got missed. Well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that everyone who knows Jesus Christ, God has measured each of you with certain spiritual gifts. Just like all of us have an individual thumbprint, all of us have been measured individual spiritual gifts. You're like sand art. You know, when you get one of those bottles and you mix different colors of sand, you know that God measured his spiritual gifts particularly to you. And he wants you to use your spiritual gifts for the edification of the Bible, of the body. And one of the beautiful things about being in a local church is you haven't been given all the spiritual gifts. You need other people. And I've used kind of a stupid illustration numbers of times, but it's like this. You were only gifted with like, let's say a certain amount of tools and your tools aren't sufficient to fix you up. You're going to need to borrow other people's tools to allow your life to run and function in the way it's supposed to run. That means you got to get to know a lot of other people. And you've got to allow God to work in your life so that you can use your tools in other people's lives. And then you need to open up your life as well so that other people can
can use their giftings in your, your life. You need other people, and you need to value other people. So that's what he tells you in 1 Corinthians 12. You got a gift, you got to be using it. But then he tells them that there is something superior to all spiritual gifts. In fact, go back to your text, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Look at the last verse of chapter 12 before you get to chapter 13. He says this. He says, But earnestly desire the higher gifts, but I will show you a still more excellent way. I mean, something that is even better than every spiritual gift. And then what he does is he begins to lay out the importance of love. That's the topic of 1 Corinthians 13. And you know what a lot of people do? A lot of people use this text and simply apply it to marriage. You're supposed to have love in marriage, and of course you are. Sometimes they read it at a a marriage ceremony. And sadly, sometimes we just relegate it to that one area. When in fact, the original context for this topic of love was not for marriage, it was for a local church. It was for how you and I are supposed to be interacting with one another. And so here, Paul begins to teach on love, the most important ingredient that you and I can bring into the equation at Lebanon Baptist Church. Okay, are you, on a consistent basis, bringing in large quantities of love into this body? We need it. Now, what is love? What is this? Well, the word love here where he announces it, if we don't have love, it's the word, the Greek word, agape. I like how one person explained this word. He said this, this Greek word was not in common use before the New Testament, but the Christians took it up and made it their characteristic word for love. It was that quality of love they saw on the cross. It is a love for the utterly unworthy, a love that proceeds from a God who is love. It is a love lavished on others without a thought whether they are worthy or not. I mean, many of us exercised this when we had our, when our, we had our children. No, they looked beautiful, they looked cute, but before long, what we realized is uh, they don't have a halo. And we had to lavish love upon them. This is a love that you and I need to bring large quantities of every time we interact with God's people. And for the, for, for the Corinthians, this love could be emulated. In fact, did you know that you in this room, you may say, how do I, do I really have the skill to bring that type of love into this assembly? Yes, and the reason you do is because you experienced it. If you're here today and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you came to know agape love in its most momentous 
display. You experienced it. And so imagine this. You had a tsunami of love poured out on you. You know what you can do? You can at least turn on the spigot of your own heart and begin dispensing it to other people. You have large quantities of biblical love that you got in Jesus. You experienced it, and now you're supposed to be a channel of it to other people. Now, Paul wanted to communicate that this agape love was superior to all spiritual gifts. So, I mean, let's just imagine that this, let's say I went to uh, Owen and Maria and we figured out what their spiritual gifts were. And let's say they had, like Maria had, uh, like, or uh, Owen had five spiritual gifts. And of course, we all know the, the girls have like 30, okay? And so, uh, and then you, we come over to the hex and we begin to add up their spiritual gifts. And then we want, go to the futches and we add their spiritual gifts up. We got a lot of spiritual gifts in this room. But what he says is this. There is something that is so incredibly superior to those. And that is that we would practice agape love with one another. And he lays it out and displays it, and he teaches this truth, okay? Since love is the superior way of ministry, don't minister without it, okay? Don't come to church here without bringing large quantities of biblical love. As a reminder, all of you have an infinite amount poured into you. You have access to it. Okay, it's almost like, uh, uh, imagine that your bank account right now, instead of having how much money you have, it has this, the number eight, infinity. You had infinity in your bank account. So when you walked inside the store, okay, and someone needed five bucks or this person needed 400 bucks, that person needed 10,000, what are you going to do? I got plenty of it. Here, here, here. Let me say that all of you have been given biblical love and you're to dispense it to God's people continually and it's superior to all of your spiritual gifts. So if you'd say, man, Pastor Brian, I only got one. It's okay. I only got one spiritual gift. But you know what you all have? You got love. And, and that's what will change people's lives. So you and I need love. Now, I've often compared biblical love to oil in an engine. Okay, if you don't have oil in the engine, okay, it's going to lock up. In spiritual ministry at Lebanon Baptist Church, you know when it starts getting really hot here and people get upset with each other or maybe big events happen and and people are serving and they're using their spiritual gifts, but then maybe people get upset with one another. Why normally does that happen? Is we forget to add biblical love into the equation. It's essential for progress. So this morning, I want you to check your love. Okay, did you come in ready to do that? Are you ministering right now in whatever way you are without it? Our text encompasses three verses, one, two, and three. And what Paul does in each of these verses is he shows you the indispensability of love. Okay, so what happens is this, three verses, but in verse one, verse two, and in verse three, 
he does the same thing. Okay? What does he do? In each of the verses, he begins by doing this. He announces a way of ministry, or he gives like a a spiritual gift. So he announces a way of ministry, but then he exaggerates it. He exaggerates that ministry to the fullest extent. It's almost like this. He biggie sizes it, okay? He says, okay, let's say you have this gift, But let's say that you don't just simply have this gift, you have the mega of that gift. But then he identifies, when you have that gift and you don't have biblical love, and then he ends with this, he shows you the profitlessness of your ministry without biblical love. In fact, you could be serving here. Let's say that you are the biggest servant in this church. You are, you have the most spiritual gifts. You are using them to the maximum level. But if you're void of biblical love, your work here is nothing. So let's, let's play that out. Let's, let's just take this apart. Number one, I want you to see this in verse one. Without love, my words are irritating rather than inspiring. Let me say that again. Without love, my words are irritating rather than inspiring. He says this in verse 1. He says this, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy kong or a clanging cymbal. Now here he talks about one of the greatest, I mean, normally spiritual gifts you can divide into two. Oftentimes people have speaking gifts or they have serving gifts. Some of you have both. Some of you have a mix. But he goes, first of all, to the speaking gifts. He says, okay, let's say that you have this incredible speaking gift. In fact, he goes to the one that was one of the most coveted at that day. And it was this, the ability to speak in tongues. This was the ability during the early church, to speak in an unknown language that you had never learned before. I mean, imagine that I just started to talk to you in Ukrainian. I'd, be, I'd love to speak Ukrainian. And I'd love to tell you the, the message of the gospel in the Ukrainian language. Did you know in the early church, people had the ability to speak in an unknown tongue and declare the greatness of God? In fact, in the early church, it was a coveted gift. It was given initially to get this gospel out and to authenticate the validity of the gospel message. It was a gift that was looked upon with incredible admiration. And what does Paul do? He says, let's just say that you have the gift of tongues. But you remember what I told you he does? He takes it to the max. He biggie-sizes it. Okay. He says, let's not just say you can speak in tongues. Let's say that you had the ability to speak in angels' tongues. Now, this could have been just a hypothetical comment, but it need not be. Uh, Angels could have communicated. I mean, angels could have a special language that they communicate in. We know that they, uh, uh, they are capable of speaking in human languages because Gabriel, of course, talking to Mary, uh, 
But here Paul says, let's just say that you could communicate in the language of these powerful, sinless creatures. I mean, that'd be pretty cool. Let's say Steve McConnell over here just all of a sudden starts to speak, and all of us are like, "Ooh, that's beautiful. That's like incredible. That, I've never heard that language before. And let's say it actually was an angel's tongue. But what does he say? He says, you can have that, but without biblical love, he then makes a comparison. It would be like a noisy gong. Okay, some of you grew up, yep, and you watched that show, the what? The gong show, where people would perform, and if they were bad, what did they do? And was the gong something that was just beautiful? No, it was like, it was horrible. It, it, it sounded bad. It's annoying. And he, he adds to that, you're not just the gong, you're a clanging cymbal. You know, uh, when I was a kid, my parents on Christmas Eve would invite all the family members over, and one of the things that we would do is we'd sing Christmas carols, but my, my parents had a stash of a bunch of little instruments, like triangles, little cymbals. I think they got them when we were real young kids, and there was a bunch of them, little clackers. And so they'd pass it out and we'd sing Christmas carols. And imagine a whole family with all of those instruments. It sounded horrible. No one's together, but okay. Silent night was not silent night. Okay. What he's saying here was this. It was not, it's not beautiful at all. In Corinthians, when they used tongues, and there were a lot of them who had the gift of tongues at that time, they, if they used it without love, he's saying it's ugly. And, and when Paul wrote this illustration, guess what? It wasn't a funny illustration like I'm giving. It was biting. Because there were people who were actually doing this. And he says, you know what? It's horrible that you do this without love. So let me bring it, let me land it here. If you're doing a lot of speaking at Lebanon Baptist Church, which I need to be the most cautious in reference to this, but many of you use your mouth to serve God's people. You may be doing a lot of speaking in ministry with your mouth. You may be a Sunday school teacher, an Awana worker, a growth group leader, maybe a counselor. Maybe you're just a friend to another person. But if you're not doing it with Christ-like fueled love as its root, it's an annoying ministry. Let me bring it into your uh, home. If you're a parent who says all the right words when it comes to discipling your kids. But if you're not doing it with Christ-like love backing it up, it's irritating. If it's not springing from a life saturated in biblical love, the same is true with your spouse. Some of you, whether it's in your marriage or it's in your... Uh, your parenting or whatever you're doing, you're great correctors, but you don't coat everything in Christ-like love. 
That's why he says in Ephesians 4.15, you are to speak the truth, what? In love. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way unto him or into him who is the head, even Christ. This means that when you use your mouth to minister, you must think much of the gospel. Okay, we don't just sing on Sunday morning as just a a point of just, hey, we like to sing. No, our goal in our singing and our preaching is to allow you to soak in the love of God and appreciate what he's done And then hopefully as a response, whatever spiritual gift you may have, you're going to make sure it comes from God loved me. I ought also to love one another. Okay, so warning number one, as we jump into the series of loving your church, know this, because we're going to try to get you involved, and many of you, we're going to try to get you to involve your mouth in ministry, but you better not do it without love. Are your words more of weapons than tools to help people grow? Okay, so that's verse one. Without love, my words are irritating rather than inspiring. Number two, this is verse two. Without love, my spiritual gifts are empty of substance rather than full of life. Okay, look at verse two. He says this, and if I have prophetic powers, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am what? Nothing. Okay, so now Paul refers to a number of spiritual gifts in verse 2. He refers to having prophetic powers. How would you like to have that? This was the ability to communicate revelation from God. I mean, you remember Agabus? He talked about a famine that was going to come on the land during the early church. This gift was very important at this point since the Bible was not yet completed. So Paul says, let's say you have the gift of prophecy, but remember he takes it to the what? To the max. Let's say that you actually are somebody in this room who not only have the gift of prophecy, but you understand all mysteries and all knowledge. I mean, you know, we've been talking about human responsibility and divine sovereignty, election. I mean, how would you like to have that all figured out? I would. How would you like to have the whole Godhead thing figured out? God the Father, God the Son, all in one person. It's like, it's a mystery. It's like, it blows our minds away. But let's say this. Let's say, Paul, that a person has the prophetic gift and they understand all the mysteries and all the knowledge. A mystery was something that is not yet revealed. A person who understood mysteries had the ability to comprehend divine truth that was unrevealed by God up to that point. I mean, how would you like to know when Jesus was coming back? I mean, imagine that you happened to be the one who knew the day. Now, we know that no one knows the time or the hour. Is that the Father? 
But imagine, he says, let's say that you actually have all knowledge of mysteries and knowledge. And he says, all knowledge, which encompasses the sum of all human acquired knowledge. You were Mr. or Mrs. Wikipedia. Okay? Paul then adds, not only do you have that, but you also have an additional gift. You had faith. Now, he refers to this with, by saying, you have all faith. And of course, he's talking about an exaggeration here. This isn't referring, I believe, to saving faith, but it's some supernatural, spirit-enabled faith, possibly or probably associated with overcoming diseases, miracles, or difficult trials. He says, let's say you have faith that, hey, whatever situation is going on in your life, you just know God's going to get you through. He's going to do some great things, and you have the max amount of faith. And then what he does is he adds even more to it. He says this, you have so much faith that you could move mountains. I mean, that'd be pretty awesome. I visited the Grand Tetons, which is one of the most beautiful national parks. You have a bunch of flat land, and then you have these massive mountains behind you. I would love to live there. What if I had the ability to say, hey, I would like to have the Grand Tetons and Milton as my background. I live in the north part of Roswell. Why don't I just place those mountains in Milton so that I can just look out my back window And in fact, I'll just kind of move them right so it looks best behind my window, okay? That'd be pretty awesome. He's saying, let's say you have faith that you could move mountains. I mean, imagine, I mean, if you were like a a land mover, okay? You could just do it with just by having faith. Let's say you had that type of faith. But then he says this. He talks about the absence of Christ-like love, he says this, if you have that, you are nothing. He says, I am nothing. I like how one person said, you are a zero with the ring rubbed out. Without love, my spiritual gifts are empty of substance rather than full of life. Who is an example of this? Jonah. You remember Jonah? Did he have faith that if he preached in Nineveh, the people would get right with the Lord and everyone would turn? Yeah. He says, if I go there, I know what's going to happen. He knew what God is going to do. But did he have love? No. There are many of you who have been given great understanding. You have knowledge, you have faith, some of you can bring up verses about, from God's word at moment's notice. Someone brings something and you grew up in a Christian home or maybe you went to Awana or some special thing and you just like, I got the word. I got, I, you know a lot of things. You know a lot of theology. But if you've lost love, if you stop soaking in the spring of God's love, then simply you are a parched fruit tree in the desert when it comes to your fruitful ministry. You're just going through the motions. Have you started ministering from your hip rather than from your heart? You know, that's all our tendency. We just minister from the hip. 
As a pastor, I can just go through the motions. All of you go to growth group or whatever areas of service. Have you lost your first love? Had there ever been a church that lost its first love? Revelation 2. You're doing all these works, he tells the Ephesians, but he says this, but you have lost your first love. You and I are to minister from the overflow. If you simply teach each week without, with no other involvement, if you simply read theological books and blogs but are never involved in people's lives, you're a zero. So don't, don't minister without love. One final area, verse 3. What are we going to learn here? Without love, my sacrifices are profitless rather than profitable. Okay, this is verse 3. Let me read it to you. And if I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned and have not love, I gain nothing. So in this verse, we read of some great sacrifices, don't we? The first one illustrates kind of a material sacrifice. Let's say that you were to give away all that you have. Okay, imagine you did this. You emptied all your bank accounts. You emptied all your retirement and brokerage accounts. And then you sold your house. You sold your cars. Then you had a garage sale and sold everything else. And then anything that people didn't buy, you gave to North Fulton Charities. And then you took all the funds that you have made and you donated it to GoFundMe accounts of people who are needy. I mean, that's what Paul is saying. He says, let's say that I give, I give everything away. And then he says, not only that, then he proposes that you give your body to be burned. He says, you can go to that type of sacrifice, but if you don't have love, there is no gain in it. Evidently, there is no eternal benefits or reward for those who exclude love from their ministry. It is simply spam. You remember Jesus? He, he says the exact same thing. He says, take heed that you do not your righteousnesses before men to be seen of them. Do you just do what you do to be seen of men? He says, otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. And then he illustrates that with three illustrations. You said you can go and you can pray in the streets or you can fast you can give your money, and in each of the illustrations, he says, you can do all that. It profits you nothing. What does he say? Enter into thy closet, and when thou shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. What has to fuel all of it is this inward devotion. You've come to know God. You swam in his love. You continue to go back to the gospel and you love it and you, 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 you dwell on it and you think about it and you, because he's so great and because he's so good, what do you do? 
You swim in it and then you come to church and you just got to give it to other people. Because it's like, I don't care how bad I say it, but I, I got love. It may not come out right, but I'll tell you this, it's filled with love. That's what God wants. He wants you to be fueled by love. You know, there are a lot of people who've made sacrifices. I've visited some of the monasteries in Greece. Meteora. Many of you have heard of it. It's one of those pictures sometimes, I think, uh, one of the scrolling pictures on whether it's Amazon or your TV screen that shows you places that you're like, I wish I could go there. Okay. And there was this beautiful spot. And these... These monasteries where men would sacrifice and women would sacrifice and devote all their time to God. They made great sacrifice of leaving everything. But he says, without love, there's no gain. Now I'm looking at a number of you who've made great sacrifices monetarily to this church. Maybe you've done that for the gospel. Some of you have chosen to live in a smaller house or maybe buy a, a, a a cheaper car, or eat out less, or drink less crazy love, or Starbucks coffee. Why? Because you want the gospel to go forward. I think of parents, spouses, grandparents, pastors who've made incredibly great sacrifices. But the question is, what fuels all of this? Is it coming from you to be seen? Is it coming for you to just get it done? Or is it coming from love that you have experienced. This church needs biblical love. It is this type of love that comes through much time on the mountaintop with God. It is thinking much of your great God and what he's done for you. And it's that that gives you strength to minister in the plains and the valleys of life. In fact, he commands you to do this In Ephesians chapter 5, he tells you this, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. How are we supposed to do that? As Christ loved us and gave himself for us a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. You know what happens is this. I hope that our morning services fuel you. You, you, you come to the service, you sing, and today we get to even observe what Jesus did for us. He broke his body, he shed his blood. May that well up in your heart and may it push you to love other people. May your own personal study that I hope that all of you have been starting to do here in 2024, that you are devoting yourself privately to God and that you are praying, God, help me to understand your love more so that I can display it more. Because all of you are like this. All of you are like a solar car. You're not going to go very far without exposure to the S-O-N. The sun. You need to understand what he's done for you. It humbles you. And then you just start loving other people. And use your gifts. I'm not saying, like, abandon all the gifts. He wants you to use your gifts, but he tells you, use your gifts, but don't forget love. Otherwise, your ministry will dry up. So what did we learn today? Since love is the superior way of ministry, don't minister without it.
okay? It ought to be in your knapsack every Sunday that you come in here. Every Wednesday, every growth group, God, give me the love of God. And you say, Pastor Brian, can I really do this? 1 John 4, 19, we what? We love because what? He first loved us. We can do this, okay? Not on our own. We love because he first loved us. So as we open this series, we thought it would be profitable and helpful. As we're about to tell you a bunch of ways that you can serve the church, know what we're doing, ask questions why, and then get involved. We want you to get involved, and we want you to grab, you could say, the baton or the hammer or the tool or the shovel to to engage in God's work, but don't do it without love. And you got it when you got Christ. So meditate on him, allow him to overwhelm you, and then guess what? Just share that love with other people. May God help us to do it. Thank you for listening to Treasuring Scripture. It's our desire that every Christian treasure God's Word in their heart. To follow our podcast, please hit the subscribe button. If you're interested in learning more about our church, please visit LebanonBaptist.org.